Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. This is Patrice Luca, Senior Policy Analyst at the Independent Women's Forum. Today, I'm chatting with Tanisha Bannister, a woman with a fascinating personal story of redemption. She has become one of the faces of criminal justice reform, but there's so much more to her story. As we figure out how to get over 30 million unemployed Americans back to work following this COVID-19 crisis, there are those for whom a criminal background may be an obstacle because of occupational licenses. That should not be so. We want Americans who want to work, to work. So with that, Tanisha, welcome to She Thinks Podcast. Thank you, uh, Patrice. Um, Thanks for having me. Um, I'm happy to be able to um, sit and talk with you about the obstacles that we face um, coming out of um, being from being incarcerated about the occupational licenses. Terrific. Well, before we get into that, I want to know, how are you doing? How are you coping with this crisis? And how is your family? Well, actually, all is well on my end. Um, There haven't really been any um, direct impact as far as me um, working um, with the line of work that I'm doing, which is PCA work. But all is well outside of that. Okay, now PCA, personal care assistant, is that correct? Correct, correct. Okay, and do you, are your clients typically older older folks or um, people who are having autoimmune issues? Well, actually, I cater to both. The elderly okay. and the other one, other um, clients I also care for are disabled. Gotcha. So right now, because of that, you're not able to work, but um, do you think you'll be able to work soon? Well, I'm being told around mid-June. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll hope and pray that you'll be able to get back to work. I know a lot of folks are hoping so, too. Um, but uh, it's, it's one of those situations where I think we're all you know, crossing our fingers and hoping that not only can we get back to work, but that we can do so safely. So I'm hoping, praying for you in that regard. Um, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about the issue today. Now, for, for folks listening, I met uh, Tanisha at a White House event. Um, and it's funny, I didn't realize you were the person I had written about months prior in the fall, um, because you were one of the women who was released from federal prison early due to the criminal justice reform bill. So, Tanisha, tell us about your story. How, how did you end up in prison? Um, I went to prison back in 2002 for a conspiracy charge um, for drugs. And as you know, um, the criminal justice system is broken when it comes to conspiracy because a lot of people get caught up and catch so much time that isn't meant for the ones that's like at the bottom of the totem pole. However, the ones that are there are the ones that get stuck with so much time when you have the others that's at the top of the totem pole 
get away for maybe a few years or just completely free. Wow. Now, remind us, how many, what was your original sentence, and then what was it commuted down to, and then how many years did you serve? Well, actually, I was sentenced to a life in prison, life in prison without parole because I exercised my right to go to trial. And I was punished for that. However, back in 2008, I won my direct appeal and was sentenced to 280 months, months, which is 23 years and four months. And I spent 16 and a half years. And as a matter of fact, today makes my one year out of anniversary being released from being incarcerated. Wow. Well, happy anniversary. I'm sure uh, celebrating freedom means a whole lot to you. Yes. It does, and I'm making the most of it. You know, um, I'm doing things that I'm passionate about. There are things that um, I had intentions of pursuing as far as when it comes to doing hair. I'm a licensed cosmetologist that I got my license in 2015 in Florida. However, where I'm located in Columbia, South Carolina, is like non-existent. So it's like I don't even have a cosmetology license here because I have to retest because they don't recognize it. Wow. I mean, that's, let's just get right to it. I mean, you you did your time. You were, from what I've read, a model citizen. You took lots of classes. You got your um, uh, associate's degree or sorry, your, your uh, one of your degrees. Um, you, you got licensed and you're coming out with skills. And now one state doesn't want to recognize the, the, the license that you received, so you really can't use it, utilize it in another state. Um, how does that make you feel when it comes to occupational licenses? Is, is this a fair system? It isn't. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, um, I think things need to change when it comes to occupational license because how can it not be recognized from one state to another? I mean, I took the class, I did the class for 12 months, over 1,200 hours, and got certified in it, but here I am today, stuck, not being able to utilize it, because the state of funds don't want to recognize it. Hmm. What's interesting is that, you know, your case is not the only one when it comes to occupational licenses um, in in so many industries from um, people who are massage therapists to uh, boy truck drivers, um, you know, even, even in the medical profession, we've seen how occupational licenses, those, those requirements can either be really costly and time consuming um, or they don't transfer from state to state, like in your situation. And so independent women's forum you know, we're we're trying to bring attention to how this is holding this these regulations actually hold people back from working and from opportunity. Have you seen some of your uh, former inmates, uh, friends who who dealt with this issue? Of course, um, even um, individuals that I know in the medical field. Sometimes, depending on what field you're working in in the medical field, your background can be a hindrance. And I don't think that's fair either, because if you are willing to work and live an honest, decent life, life, and you're going to go to school and get these skills and become certified, but when it's time for you to work, you're stigmatized, and 
you know, it's like your past is holding you back from your future. And it's unfortunate. So um, I pray something happens soon when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, I think what, you, what you're talking about is um, some states, they have these blanket exclusions for people with criminal backgrounds or criminal records. And, you know, it doesn't even have anything to do with the, the job you may be applying for or how long exactly. ago that offense happened. Yeah, so you're, you're, I think you're right. And when we look at recidivism in this country, a, a job, a steady income is the key to, to keeping people from going back in jail. Is that correct? Exactly. And the fact, the fact of the matter is, after so long, people change. Um, mm. You've made better choices in life. You're grounded. You've met common ground with who you want to be in life and who you were meant to be in life. And it's like you're stuck because your past is defining who you are at that moment which mm. is it not so. And I believe everybody deserves a second chance. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I, I love that statement. Everybody deserves a second chance. Um, you know, Tanisha, I think it's, it's, this is, this is an opportune time for states and lawmakers to think about how they can change these regulations for people <laughs> who have criminal convictions, for people who move from state to state, you know, even even the life that the rec, the requirements for the licenses themselves, maybe they're too heavy, too expensive, too time consuming, and states should be looking at scaling those back. And and I think the health profession is is a great place because we need frontline emergency medical workers right now in places like New York and New Jersey. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I hope lawmakers hear this message and and are willing to scale it back scale back the regulations. So tell me on the personal side, you know, what are you up to today? Other than the personal care uh, aid side, you know, what are some of your ambitions? What are the things that you would like to do now that you're out? Well, you know, I'm really on the path to, you know, securing a future in the medical field. Um, I have a son that uh, was in an unfortunate accident four years ago, and he's disabled and he's paralyzed from the waist down. So I've come to connect with the disabled and helping people. And I'm going to school to be a certified, to become a certified LPN starting in June. And I just hope and pray that I'm able to use, utilize the license once I get it. Because like I said, sometimes your background can hinder you from the future that you want to pursue. And here in South Carolina, unfortunately, it's still one of the states that haven't banned the box. So okay. it's like you're already labeled before you get to the interview because of your background and you don't have the opportunity to go and present yourself and be honest and forward and straight um, up front with what your past was and where you are you know, now. Hmm. That's an interesting aspect. Um, for, for those who are listening, ban the box is, um, is a policy that, uh, that asks employers to, to remove the question on 
applications about whether someone has a criminal record, they've been convicted of a crime or, or anything related to kind of a criminal background, removing that application question so that people can apply and be judged based on the merits of their application, their skills, their background, rather than just on a, a potential criminal record. Um, you know, we, I think there's a, a case to be made for employers really doing that voluntarily. Some, some people would advocate that government mandate that. Um, I think that's definitely up to lawmakers to decide, but you're right in that there needs to be recognition. People should be given, should be judged based on the merits of their, uh, of their situation, of their experience and their background, rather than just assuming that because they have a record, they're not qualified. And that's what we want to want to get away from. So Tanisha, with these last few moments, you know, what is the parting message you would like for our audience to hear? Stay the course. Stay true and remain humble. Pursue your dreams. Nothing is impossible. Stand on your faith. Not let's not be moved by what things look like. And you know, God is in control, and all things are possible for those who believe. So I would say continue to do what it is that you're doing and not be held back from the feeling you may feel of being denied or not being able to succeed because of your past. Mm -hmm. I'm a living example. You know, I've done 16 and a half years. I've been home for one year. I came home with a lot of support. Unfortunately, every individual don't have that. But there's nothing that you are not able to do in life if you stay the course, remain true to who you are, and trust and believe in yourself and the higher power, power, and I think, um, you know, you'll be fine in life. Very good. I, I thank you for that, Tanisha. You know, we are we are committed to staying the course. <laughs> um, for me personally, and and our organization, in, in really pushing forward policies that help individuals to pursue their dreams, like you're saying, you know, to to be true to their authentic self, and to know that. There's a place for them in the workforce. There's a place for them in society. Um, and, uh, and, and wherever government is standing in the way, <laughs> let's figure out how to make government uh, a, a, an ally rather than an obstacle. So exactly. you know, thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah, because so often society is misinformed about, mm. you know, the formerly incarcerated um, from the things that they might hear in the news or the things that they might think and they perceive you to be something that you're far from. Mm. And so I thank God for people like you and your organization for shining the, the highlight on things that we need to overcome and things that need to be worked on. And it's not swept up under the word rug because it's sometimes a hard conversation to have for certain people. And I want to say it was a blessing that I sat at the table with you because I never knew the article that you written on me last <laughs> year existed. And just so happens, I, my feet was hurting that day and 
I came to sit at the table beside you. And so um, it was an honor meeting you, Patricia. And um, I wish you all the best as well. <laughs> Thank you, Tanisha. Yeah, that was that was a that was a fun event. I'm, I'm glad it brought together brought us together and some and some other awesome people you know, working on criminal justice reform. So, yeah. all right, well, thank you so much for your time. Um, to our Chief Things listeners, we appreciate your time today. This pop-up podcast um, is available. We ask that you listen and share it with your family and friends. And if you have a story of how occupational licenses have held you back or um, have held back a family member or friend. We would love to hear that. So visit our website at iwf.org slash chasing dash work. It is our brand new campaign that highlights how occupational licenses are holding Americans back and the policies that we can that that can be implemented to release individuals to achieve their best and their highest. So Thanks again, Tanisha, and uh, to our listeners, please continue to download our podcast, like us, find us wherever podcasts can be found, and uh, and definitely rate and share this podcast. All right, thanks, thanks everybody. You. Thank you.